All right, everyone, this is the Creativity Cocktail. This is an exciting year for us. It's 2020. I know that everyone that's out there listening to our podcast is excited about the new year and about getting their creativity juices flowing and making sure that this year is so amazing and that they get a lot done. We are very honored today to talk to someone and to interview someone who has had such a profound effect and impact on the Atlanta creative scene. And typically when we, we when I share that, I'm sharing that about someone who's made a great movie or a great theater uh, production. I'm talking about someone who's not only done that, but who's also immersed in the government and and the way that our system works as far as um, the political environment and the um, arts environment, and also the educational environment. Um, I have learned so much from our guest, Sharice Jefferson. She is fantastic. I am hoping that everyone here that hears this podcast will not only learn about her awesome and wonderful creative path, but also all the other things that she's doing to really have a profound effect on our Atlanta community. So Sharice, I'm so excited. It's amazing to have you on the podcast for the first time. Say what's up to the people. Thank you so much, Winston, and thank you so much for doing this and not only sharing your vision and creativity, but also creating a platform and an outlet for others to talk about not only what we're doing, but the impact that we make in the arts, because it is so, so important. Yeah, um, Sharice and I met when we were, what we just shared we were part of a group of a larger group of people who had a very similar vision to what we just talked about. And like after the very first meeting, uh, Sharice and I was like, yo, we got to keep talking even, you know, outside this group, because I think we found a, a very strong alignment about the fact that we know that creativity is 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 a gift that every single person that's listening to us has. Every single yeah. Every single one of us, and, and it just manifests itself in different ways. So for Sharice and I, Sharice is a performer and a, um, and a film and a theater person, and I'll ask you about that in a second. For me, it manifests itself in writing and public speaking, but for those who are listening, it might manifest itself in some other way. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so Sharice, tell us a little bit about your thoughts and your theory about creativity and how it has had an effect or impact on you and those around you. Well, interestingly enough, I, I grew up in an artistic family. Um, I have been blessed and fortunate to have artists all around me. Um, it started with my parents, my grandparents, and then uh, it just percolated all throughout our family. And I decided at a very young age, I had to be about eight years old, uh, I just knew then that I had something creative about me because I love to talk. And then I used to get in the mirror and I used to try to sing. Do you know how and, you uh, love to talk? I, would, I, would, I don't believe that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I absolutely, I, I, I love to talk. And so I, I really wasn't sure once I got to middle school what I wanted to do. But the activism started in middle school. And, and this is what I want to share with the audience. When I was in middle school, um, getting ready to graduate, I went to Southwest Middle School, uh, which is in an urban community in Atlanta. 
And I wanted to go to North Atlanta High School, which is the School of Performing Arts. It was a huge magnet program um, back in the 80s and the 90s. And I wanted to go to North Atlanta. But guess what happened? The director, uh, the magnet coordinator, uh, the great Billy Dinsmore, he came to my middle school and he said, unfortunately, I only have three to four slots for theater for North Atlanta. Really? Wow. And yes, I said, oh my God, three to four slots. And he said, I may have more for music, but you guys are going to just have to give me your best. Give me your best. And I remember it was a lot of us that auditioned for it, and only three of us made it. And I was one of the three. Oh, that's awesome. Got to North Atlanta High School, was very blessed to be uh, educated by Jeanette Rudolph, who is the mother of the great Jasmine Guy, the, le- the legend Jasmine Guy from a different world. Oh, wow. Uh, she was one of, yes. That's cool. She was my English teacher. And talk about creativity. We listen and we see Jasmine Guy. Her mother is the epitome of what creativity is. She told all of us in her English class, I don't care if you want to be a writer, I don't care if you want to be a singer, you are going to learn the creativity of writing and the art of writing. So she taught us how to write. Really? So within the English class, she said, all right, part of this curriculum or this year is to teach you how to write, whatever you want to write? How to write, absolutely. That's fantastic, wow. This is Jasmine Guy's mother, and every time I see Jasmine, I always tell her, tell your mother thank you. Her mother was very tough, okay? She's a tough one. She was tough. Uh, But she believed in in literacy, and she said, if you're going to write, if you're going to sing, if you're going to dance, if you're going to perform, you've got to understand literacy first. So she was literally the first teacher that expanded creativity to literacy for me. And from there, uh, the sky became the limit. Wow. So tell me, I know that you um, you and I have had conversations about the, uh, the Atlanta scene when it comes to... Um, when it comes to like the political environment and the creativity in the arts and how that works within the government, give the, the audience here just a little primer on how those things work and how those things are, are, are affecting the environment. Very, very important. Very important. In the arts, one of the biggest challenges that we face is support. And I'm not talking about the support involving people saying, I love the arts, I think it's important. But people actually galvanizing a movement in, in order to get politicians to fund the arts. Fund the arts. It is very difficult, oftentimes, for our elected officials to get behind the arts when it comes to disseminating resources to us. Why do you think that is? Do you think that's just constraints or do you think there's something else that might be happening? Well, I think it has a lot to do. I became a political strategist because one of the reasons why I became a political strategist is because I wanted to use my ability as an artist to communicate and formulate some sort of dialogue with elected officials 
that will allow them to see that the arts is a necessary component to education, the workplace, and society. The reason why, and I'm being very honest here, and you know I'm going to be blunt, the reason why the arts is not supported is because we, we don't get involved in the political system. Okay, and in politics, we all, we've heard it before, pay the play, we've all heard it before, donors, pack groups, super PAC lobbyists, the arts did not have that. And so, so when, as a result when you of mean that, we, you mean, I was just, I just want to get a, a, a bit there, when you say we, you mean we, the arts community, we're not the involved arts in the community, yes. yes. Okay. We don't get involved in that. And what I've been saying to politicians for a very long time, because I've had some elected officials say, Sharice, you've got to get the arts community more involved in the political system. And I said, but here's the thing. We will lobby for good work. We will lobby to make sure that we're paid fairly. We will lobby to make sure that we have good working environments and conditions. Getting behind one particular politician or two, that's not something that we do. But you understand, and this is what I said to elected officials, you understand the viability of the arts. You understand that, hey, we may not give you a dollar, but we're going to give you a vote. So you need to go in the budget, and you need to find some money for us. Mm. And you need to start funding the arts through various means of government budgets. You go out and you get the arts a blank to give you $10 million for the arts. You go out and you get the corporate entities to give you funding for the arts because we have the votes and we are advocates in what we do and we are honest in what we do. So thank God the mayor of Atlanta, having discussions with her, having discussions with some of the city council members, um, and when I worked on Christine Reed's first campaign, he understood it, of course. So they have begun to move the needle in a different direction. But we're still not there yet. Atlanta is still severely underfunded as it relates to the arts. And film is different. Film is corporate. We can go out and get investors for film, right? I'm talking about what's going on in the theater. Gotcha. Our theater community is heavily underfunded. So now what it's going to take, Winston... This is what it's going to take. All of us getting together and going down and having meetings and conversations with our elected officials, city council members, Fulton County commissioners, the commissioner chairs, anybody who sits and controls that budget, we've got to demand that they fund the arts because it is a essential component to education, the work environment, and society. You know, you're sharing something with me that I've thought about in the past, and this might be part of our conversations. And and you mentioned the word pack, and I and and I think you were deliberate in sharing that. Um, I think there is so much power in our vote voter advocacy, right? To making sure that yeah. hey, if you you know if you help us, because this is part of our community. This this enriches Atlanta theater. There's no doubt about it. Um, but if you don't, and someone else does. Then we need to make sure that we get the support that we need because there's there's thousands and maybe millions of creatives all around Atlanta that need to be supported. I, I think what you're saying, and and I really appreciate what you're saying, and and this has got me a little bit in my own mind thinking about what we and I'm talking about we. I mean not just we, me, you, and the arts, but does me, just our organization can do 
to make sure that this happens or to advocate for it because it's got to happen. I agree with you. There's no no reason why. I tell you, I, you and I encounter so many wonderful art artists and writers and directors and playwrights that just don't can't get anything to happen, or they they they've got to cobble things together. And I'm not saying we should 100% replicate what's done in other places, but we can get our stuff done. There's no doubt about it. In this city, Atlanta is in a unique position. It used to be Washington, D.C., okay? It used to be New York. It used to be California. Now it's Atlanta. All eyes are on Atlanta. We are in a unique position to where we can set a new trend to go in a different direction that helps everybody. Now, one of the things I want to share with your audience that I'm working on right now, okay, which is important, the superintendent in the Atlanta Public Schools, I don't know, uh, if you or anyone else realizes, but she dismantled the arts at the edu- at the elementary level, the instructional arts. That means your band, your chorus, your orchestra is completely eradicated in the Atlanta public school at s- the elementary level. Hold on yeah. a second. Before you continue with that, um, it, it probably goes back to my first question. And I just recall, and maybe it's just because of the age that I grew up in, is that... When you were at the elementary level, arts was it was promoted. And I remember one year where I got to school, and the first day of school, you got a instrument or you got signed up for a an arts class, whether it's music or something else. And you're, you're saying that this person dismantled it. it, it was it just a budgetary the thing? Current, yeah. Yes, the current superintendent of the Atlanta Public Schools. She eradicated instructional arts at the elementary level. So that's your elementary band, your elementary chorus, your elementary orchestra. Now, let me tell you what happened. She got in front of the Atlanta Press Club. She thought she was in a safe space. She lied and said that the arts, they had a strong arts program. She didn't know that I was sitting in the audience. Again, I work in the system of politics. I'm an artist. So I have a little bit of an advantage working in different, um, in both entities. She thought she was in a safe space. I stood up, I asked her the question, how can you educate the whole child without a comprehensive arts program? Yeah. You should have listened to the answer she gave. She didn't even really know what to say, but it's out there on YouTube um, because I got a lot of calls and I got text messages, Sharice, oh my God, what happened? Um, but she lied and said that all of the schools in the Atlanta public schools have arts, and that's not true. Now, think about it this way. If you start an arts program at the elementary level, now you can feed into middle school, that can feed into high school, which can feed into college, which can now feed into the, the community and the society at large. If you start an arts program at middle school, you don't have enough time to build a strong program starting in the middle school. Yeah. You have to start it at the elementary school. So she's getting ready to leave. The school board did not renew her contract, Winston. Wow. So now I am asking for all artists in the community to join with me in going down to the school board meeting, talking to the school board, and demanding that the next superintendent that comes in the Atlanta Public Schools will implement the arts back into the school system at the elementary level. 
So let me ask you. So I am totally. I think that everyone that's listening should heed what Sharice is saying and let's do it. Do you think that this person reallocated the funds to somewhere else, you know, like sports or something? Or was it a budgetary thing? Or did it, was it a, some corruption? What, 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 should, this is all a theory, so don't feel like you got to say like 100% what, you know, what happened. But what do you think happened with that? <laughs> In the Atlanta public schools, there is a huge issue with equity. And when I mean, what I mean by equity is that you have schools, we call it above I-20, which is the area of like Buckhead, Sandy Springs type area, your elite area. They get a lot more resources than the schools below I-20, which are your urban, um, your more urban communities. Some of the poorest of the poorest children are not getting uh, the resources that they need. Mostly the kids above I-20 in the Atlanta public schools, they have what they need to be successful. A teacher reached out to me um, recently. She is in a school that's in uh, an urban community below I-20, okay? This is where your your most, some of you, the poorest of the poorest kids are, um, some of your most underserved kids are. Not all, not all, but some. But this particular teacher reached out to me and said, Ms. Jefferson, can you help me? I have not received my instruments from Atlanta Public Schools. And the fine arts coordinator, she's been stalling. So help me because I have a budget. I placed my order for instruments back in August and I still haven't received it. So to your question, is it corruption? They're doing something with the money. And I know it because I used to work in that program in Atlanta public schools. It was only two of us handling the fine arts budget. You want to know how much that budget was, Winston? I'm sure. $10 it's million. Dollars. $10 million. $10 million. Yes. It doesn't walk away. It's got to go somewhere. Exactly. $10 million. So what I'm saying is I need for everybody who's listening to this podcast to join with me coming together to have a conversation with the school board and demand that they hire a superintendent who will have the arts at the centerfold of their objective for achieving education in this school system. There is no more time for playing politics. There is no more time to sit on the sidelines. When it comes to the arts, you, again, cannot educate the child without the home child without the art. And it should be a necessary component to education and not an option. This is unbelievably... I agree with everything you said. And this lines up so much with just not the vision of our organization, but so many others. Uh, it, the reason why we created this organization is that we knew that Creativity existed, whether you were a young person or whether you were at a different point in life and it was not being recognized or it was being it was being downplayed. And I agree with you 100 percent that young people had such a powerful creativity. This, this, the arts that we're talking about here, Sharice, doesn't just mean that if you give a young person the ability to access arts, that they're going to be in arts. 
That means that it just gives them the ability to think more broadly about their life. Absolutely. You know, it just does. I mean, in order for you to be a great scientist or to be a great, you know, mathematician, you have got to be able to creatively solve problems. <laughs> and so it, it all is linked and the creative arts helps a young person to be able to do that or to, for their mind to to have those triggers that they can do that at some point. So I think there's this, and, and I know you would agree with this, and I know you got a comment on this. I think there's this demarcation that happens between arts and STEM programs and other things as if they're different entities. And my belief yeah. is that arts helps all of those other programs and all of those other things Absolutely. that happen. <laughs> you know. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I have a master's degree in management. My undergraduate, I have a nationally accredited degree in the theater. That's my undergrad. I have a master's degree in management, completely different discipline. When I wrote my thesis in grad school, I wrote my thesis using an arts-based philosopher by the name of Michael Cohen, who came up with the GOAT technique for actors, goal, obstacles, tactics, and expectations. Yeah. When this, I use Michael this, Cohen for my thesis in grad school. We just want to clear that. That's, I just want to make sure we clear that is the, the Michael o. Owens and Michael Cohen in arts and not that other Michael Cohen that's in, you know, that's in prison. Oh, yeah. No, no, not that Michael Cohen. <laughs> I just want to make sure that everyone oh, no. knows, so. <laughs> the Michael Cohen in the arts who came up with the GOAT technique for actors, the goal, the obstacles, the tactics, and the expectations for actors. I used his philosophy that he wrote for, for actors. I used it in my thesis for business. And my professors had never heard of Michael Cohen, the, the, the art philosopher. They loved how I implemented his GOAT technique in business to where they asked me in graduate school to go and do scholarly research. Wow. So what, what this happened? This is an art-based philosopher. Wow. So what happened? Did you do that? Did you go forward? With we that? started. We started. And I, because I was working at the Atlanta Public Schools in the fine arts program at the time, we started doing the scholarly research, but because of the demands of the school system, I didn't finish it. But I gave them all of the tools and all of the resources and the things that they needed to start using arts-based philosophers in their business management program. That is awesome. So, hey, I, this has been so great of uh, a conversation, and I wanted to segue, probably ineffectively, a little bit to yourself and a little bit about what's going on with you personally. I know you have a young one that is immersed in the arts. Um, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yeah. what's going on with you like now and what are some of the things that you're up to from an arts and from a public perspective? So I, I have I wear a lot of hats. I am a mom of, a, of an eight-year-old who is a piano player. And he is a fluid piano player at the age of eight. Wow. Um, thanks, blessed be to God, he loves it. This is not something that I have pushed him in, forced him in. Um, he drives me crazy virtually every day when he is learning a new song. Now he's playing the Baby Shark song. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, I'm listening to that every morning. Um, but I have been heavily involved in policy 
Um, again, I work as a political strategist, and so I've been heavily involved with policy. I also uh, teach. I've been in the classroom. I've been working at the district level. I've worked at the policy level, which is what I'm doing right now. Um, I've been fortunate enough. Um, I'm covering a class for a uh, teacher, an arts teacher, who uh, is doing a show right now. And so now I get a chance to, to work with middle school kids in the arts and try to help them develop their own creativity and show them that there is possibility and opportunity for you to get jobs in this business and be successful. Um, it's my way of really giving back. Going into education at that level is, is my way of giving back. And of course, I'm still working on the policy and trying to get the focus groups together for Atlanta Public Schools um, and the superintendent for the arts to represent the arts. And I'm working with different um, advocates who support the cause, which helps a lot. So my hands are all over the place. I'm, I'm between here in Washington, D.C. Um, and I just really hope and pray, which is all, it's always my prayer, that we will get to a place where we will become a nation that will allow creativity to be a priority. My goal at the national level, Winston, and this is what I'm working on right now, to get federal representation for the arts. Because outside of the NEA, we don't have it. I think you've given us so much. And, and for those of you who are listening to this conversation, please understand that we're all part of this. We all need to contribute and advocate, you know, with the vigor and the and the passion and the power that Sharice is. Um, there's so much at stake. We, I think you would agree with that, Sharice, that for not just for us, not just even just for young people, but for all of us. And I love what you said about making it like a creativity, kind of a national focus. I think there's just so much of this view that it shouldn't be. It's almost like like we've got all we need creative-wise, and it's just not true. When we created this organization, we created it because we were losing friends and family who were creative, but they were afraid to tell anyone that they were creative. Right, that happened so much. To share what they were doing. They were, they were afraid to like say, you know, I got this stuff that I wrote or draw or drew or, or performed, but I don't want to do it because creativity is poo-pooed by the larger environment. That sucks. It's horrible that that's the case. And, um, and, and for me personally, when that kept happening in my life, and, and maybe you've got similar things, it, it, really, it, it really hurt my heart. I was like, oh my gosh, there's got to be a way for when someone is struggling with something in their life, whether they're a young person, and you, we know that young people go through all kinds of tumultuous things at the elementary and the middle school and even the high school level. When they're going through that thing, for them to use creativity as one of the ways that they say, you know what, let me use yeah. what I know to help me break it or to, to get past it, as opposed to something I got to hide in a drawer somewhere. Right. It's just, it's just a different view. I love having this conversation. For those of you who don't know, Sharice and I has probably had a conversation like this like a dozen times. So <laughs> it's been great to have you. Let me ask you 
this. If someone wants to know more about you and know a little bit more about, you know, some of the things that you're up to, what are some of the ways they can connect with you? So I am on Twitter. I'm on all social media platforms. Um, in addition to that, feel free to reach out to me, sharifonline.com. Uh, and I have two agents, but um, those are just for auditions and jobs. But feel free to contact me on all sh- social media platforms. Sharif ATL is my Twitter handler. It's the same for IG, Instagram, Sharif ATL. And I'm on Facebook as well. Uh, and reach out to me, however, in any way you can. Email Sharif, P-H-E-R-I-S-E 97 at bellsouth.net. Um, I am available. I am accessible. Um, I may not call you back right away, but I'll get back to you. So, uh, but this is very important. What, what you're doing is important. Uh, I think that when being a creative is, is literally the, the, the step towards healing, particularly when you're going through something. Just being able to use creative writing or somebody's story, somebody who either wrote the story or somebody else's story that's being told. Um, it's, it's a step towards healing. It's a step towards becoming better and great in whatever you aspire to do or be. So thank you for what you're doing as a creative mm-hmm. and as an artist. Yes, thank you so much for that. I tell you, I I agree with you. I believe this so deeply that one of the reasons that we've been created, you know, created by God and created by this universe is to to create something on on in this world. That's the difference. Yeah. That's the difference between us and other creatures of the of the planet is that we can create something and leave something that allows other people to think or to react or to love or to understand. And every single one of us should do that in one way or the other. I just, I just believe that. And those who don't do that, I know at some point they want to or they wish to. So my last question, and I think you've answered this already. So if I ask you to repeat it, you know, if you repeat it, it's totally okay because the audience is okay with you saying it again. So someone's listening to us somewhere right now, right, Sharice? They're just, they're like, wow, this is a great conversation. Um, I want to, but I'm struggling. I'm feeling anxiety or I'm feeling some other kind of emotional state. And I want to explore my creativity. But I don't know what's the first step. I don't know what the first word that will ignite that. What's that word? What's that step that you'd like to give that person? Go to that space or go to that place that no one else can go to but you. Meditate and then put it on paper. Put it on paper, no matter what it is. I've done that so many times. When my father passed away two years ago, He was in the hospital for 11 months. And I didn't really understand how he could pass away from a surgery that was supposed to go well and went well, but didn't go well. I got so confused about everything, including the healthcare industry and 
what we're doing to help people in healthcare. But I had to go to that place and I went into a, a space and I started writing. I just started writing. And next thing I knew, what I wrote became a play. Wow. Just out of nowhere. I just started writing. I was writing my thoughts, my feelings. And then those thoughts and those feelings turned into character. And then those characters, they they turned into a story. And now I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. (laughs) Because it's deep. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly right. I tell you, uh, I know, I think you felt the same way. I've written many stories. And I tell you, this happens 100% of the time. That at some point when I'm writing the story, I'm so I'm so into it that I get emotional because it's real, mm-hmm. you know. So it's so wonderful to have you. I'm going to ask you right now in front of everyone and hope the answer is yes, that you will join us again on the Creativity Cocktail podcast. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. And so for those of you listening to us, remember that... The reason why we're here is to help you and to help all of us understand that creativity is one of these things that can help us grow as a human being. Um, We've got an unbelievable amount of amazing things that's going to happen in 2020. All of these podcasts, you know, and so far um, we've gotten halfway to our goal is that we'll take snippets of what Sharice has said and what all of the other great guests have done. And we will be collecting these at the end of 2020 into our first ever audiobook. And in that audiobook, you'll be able to hear amazing people from all over the world talk about creativity and the one or two steps that you can do to get yourself to where you need to be. Um, Sharice, you've given me personally a lot to think about here today as far as some of the visions and the views of what we need to do as an organization. You are awesome. We love you. You are an amazing person. I am, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding about having you come back probably sooner than later. So thanks again for joining us today on the Creativity Cocktail Podcast. Thank you so much, Winston.